1: Now, how does the Holy Spirit protect us, then, from going after false teaching? How does He do this? Well, sometimes it is through competent teachers. And as they teach the Word of God, you just know, this is the truth.
2: Welcome to Verse by Verse Radio. We are all about teaching the uncompromising truth of God's Word in clear language. This is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. You can find out more about the church on our website, lakesidechapel, all one word, dot com. Our Bible teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, and we're studying the book of 1 John. Thanks for sharing this time with us. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's message.
1: Now I want to stop here for a moment and consider the ramifications of what John is teaching. He's telling us that every true, genuine Christian keeps on believing and living by the very same truth he embraced at the start of his experience with Christ. That's a tremendous truth. In other words, the gospel message that you received years ago, maybe you've, I don't know how long all of us have been saved, but some of you have been saved for years and years and years. That very same message that you received, perhaps when you were a very young person and now you're a very old person, you will continue to believe What you heard from the beginning, you will continue to believe all of your life and you will never forsake it. That is remarkable. That's the work of the Spirit of God in your life. That's the proof of salvation. You didn't deviate from it. You won't deviate from it. What that tells us about believers in Christ is this. It tells us that perseverance in the truth of the gospel is one of the distinguishing marks of a Christian. All True believers hold tenaciously to the truth about Christ and the message of salvation, regardless of how many people try to persuade you to abandon the truth for some other message. You may get it from family. You may get it from family. You may get it from friends who say, I don't understand, don't believe this. Or I know there are Jewish people who, when Jewish young men, Jewish young ladies, come to faith in Christ, often their parents say, I want to take you to speak to our rabbi. There have been others who have said, I want to take you to a psychiatrist. I want to want to straighten you out. But you will never abandon the truth if you're truly saved. That's the glory of it. Could you imagine what other group of people could ever say that? The very message that I embraced when I was young, I continue to embrace now that I'm old. That, that is an amazing, amazing reality. And the reason for this is because the Holy Spirit has enabled you to see that what you believe about Jesus Christ and salvation is the absolute truth from God and there is no reason to seek anything else. That is a precious truth. And let me show you this. Let me just correlate this. John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I think you're very, most of you are very familiar with verse 27. I want to read verse 27 and then another verse that you might not be as familiar with. In John 10:27 Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." True Christians know the voice of their shepherd. We respond to the gospel. His sheep, his chosen ones, will always respond to him. They know his voice. But notice what he said earlier in the chapter, verse 5. A stranger he's still talking about the sheep. The whole chapter is in the analogy of a shepherd and sheep. A stranger, they, meaning the sheep, simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. I don't know a great deal about sheep and shepherds, but I do know this, that sheep know the voice of their shepherd, and they will not follow any other voice. They're really, really dumb animals, but in this arena... They've got it together. They've got it together. They trust their shepherd. Christ's sheep know his voice and therefore they don't listen to the voice of false teachers. That's what Jesus is saying. They don't listen to the voice of human false teachers. They are strangers to them. That's why believers continue in the faith and the truth because they know it is truth. They're not looking for anything else to give them peace and answers for life's deepest Issues and questions. That is to say, in coming to Christ, folks, you know what it's like? It's like, I've been looking all of my life for this treasure. Now that I've found it, my search is over. That's the preciousness of this. I've been looking for a precious treasure. I found it in Christ. I know I found the truth. I'm satisfied with the truth my search is over. I don't have to look for anything else to give meaning to my life. This is not to say that we don't grow in the, in the grace of Christ, that we don't grow in our understanding. This is not to say that we put aside all studies and we don't want to grow deeper in our understanding of Scripture. No, that's not what he's saying. But you know that in coming to Christ, you found what life is about. You found it. He has revealed it to you. Your search is over. You're not looking for something else to give meaning to your life. That's precisely, that was precisely the experience of Peter and the other apostles apart from Judas in John chapter 6. Just turn back from John 10 a few pages. John chapter 6. Now John chapter 6, much of it is about Jesus telling people who said they were his followers about commitment to him. What it meant to really follow him. And some of them didn't want to hear this. They were superficial followers. They were really, many of these folks were what we call Galilean followers. The Galilean followers, many of them followed the Lord because they liked getting a free meal. He had turned bread into food and they really liked that. And, and they said, actually earlier, uh, they said that they wanted to storm Jerusalem with him. They figured this must be the king. But they were only thinking of a political king who gives them free meals. They really weren't thinking about commitment. So notice this in chapter 6, verse 66. And he was talking also about God's sovereignty and how people can't repent unless the Lord works in their hearts and draws them to himself. So there were some deep things here that, that kind of blew them away. It says in verse 66, As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew. They withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Disciple here would be used in a very loose way. They were pseudo-disciples. They were professing disciples. But once they heard what Jesus had to say, they withdrew from him. They're out of here. So, verse 67 says, So Jesus said to the twelve, You don't want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, This is just great. This is the mark of a true believer. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. How great. I mean, Peter didn't know a whole lot at this point. But he did know that he had found the answer. He had found the Messiah. He, he knew that Christ alone had the words of eternal life. We have believed and have, and have come to know that you're the Holy One, the Holy One of God. Then the next two verses, Jesus said, yeah, but not all of you. And He was referring to Judas. But the point is that in coming to know Christ, Folks, you continue with Him. You don't want anything else. You're not looking for another religion. You're not looking for anything else to be more satisfying. You are satisfied perfectly with Jesus Christ. You wouldn't walk away from Him. You couldn't walk away from Him. You're not interested in walking away from Him because you are convinced like Peter that in knowing Christ, you have been given the words of eternal life. You have received those words. They believed on him, they were satisfied with him. However, I want you to know this is not true of non-Christians. Definitely not true of non-Christians. There are many unbelievers who are never satisfied with what they believe. Life for them is pursuing all kinds of things to find meaning in, in life. They tend to run after whatever is novel they think might help them find meaning and peace in life. This is what Paul was speaking of. Look at Second Timothy chapter 4. What Paul was talking about, this is exactly what Paul predicted would take place within the context of the church, where unbelievers come into the church. He said in 2 Timothy 4.3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Itching ears that run after new teachers who will tell them exactly what they want to hear, that's characteristic of unbelievers, and that is especially characteristic of the last days. Then look at Acts chapter 17. Notice in Acts chapter 17 what Luke tells us about the Athenians. Paul came to Athens. He has an opportunity to proclaim the truth to philosophers. And let's pick up the story in verse 18. And also some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him, him as Paul. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is which you are proclaiming. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears so we want to know what these things mean. Now then, Luke adds this fascinating statement in verse 21. Now, all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. These men were fixated on new teachings that had come to their city. And that is really characteristic of unbelievers even if they're not philosophers is John Stott in his commentary on 1 John who writes that the continual obsession for something new is a mark of the Athenian and not the Christian not the Christian listen if you meet someone who tells you as i said before oh i i used to believe that yes when i was young i believed that that's what my parents told me but i don't believe in jesus anymore do not be shaken don't be shaken as if they've come to some deeper knowledge. That's, that's really Gnostic thinking. Don't be shaken. They were never saved to begin with. Look back at 1 John 2, 19. It explains what these people are like. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out so that it would be shown that they all are not of us. So if somebody tells you, in a, in a rather condescending way, yes, I used to believe that kind of stuff before, but then I grew up, then I went to the university and I learned about evolution, and I, I can't believe that stuff anymore. Don't be shaken by this. They, they never really knew Christ. They may say at one time, yes, I did, but but all that means is at one time, they intellectually agreed with certain facts about Jesus and the Bible, and perhaps they went to church, but they never really received Him. They didn't receive the truth. They didn't welcome it into their lives. In Matthew 13, Jesus gave a parable about people who appear to believe the word, but he said, when the difficulties of life come, when problems come, rather than clinging to the word of God, as true believers do, these people abandon it. They abandon it. Persecution, trials, the deceitfulness of riches, whatever it is that lures them away from Christ, that's what they follow. But that's not true of genuine believers. Now, John's point is to say that those who have been converted know the truth. They believe the truth and they will continue in the truth. However, the people that John was writing to were under attack. They were not sitting in a comfortable church auditorium like this with no problems. They were under attack. They were still targets of the Gnostic teachers. Now, these teachers had had left the church, but apparently they were still in contact with these Christians. It wasn't like they left and moved on to another city or town. They were still in daily, apparently daily contact with these Christians because in the next few verses, John tells them why they don't ever need to fear that someday they might forsake the truth as these people came in contact with them. It's the same reason you and I don't ever need to be concerned about that sometime down the road we might be seduced spiritually into forsaking Christ for some other religious message. If you really know Christ, that will never happen. And John tells us why. As he tells us that the fourth way that believers relate to the truth, and this explains why we continue in the truth, is because We understand the truth. We know it. We believe it. We continue in it. We understand it. We understand it. We keep on understanding it. It wasn't just initially we understood it. We keep on understanding it. Verse 26. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. John tells us the reason that he has treated this section about doctrinal soundness the way he has with such strong language by explaining that these false teachers were Antichrist and liars who had left the church was because he wanted to expose them for what they really were. They were men who were trying to seduce and deceive these precious believers by teaching them error. And so John holds back nothing. But even though these deceivers continued to make attempts, apparently, to lead these believers astray, no true Christian ever has to feel threatened by this because God has given him or her All the equipment they need to face the dangers of false teachers and their doctrine. Verse 27. As for you, he writes, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now, that's a mouthful. It's also... This verse is terribly misunderstood by some, so let me explain what John means. First of all, the anointing that he mentions here is the same anointing he spoke of in verse 20. It's not a second anointing, it's the same anointing. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The moment you were converted, the Spirit of God, as we said, took up residency in you, and in doing so, he became your divine teacher. He continues to be your divine teacher to help you understand Scripture. And that's why John says, you have no need for anyone to teach you. Now, this is where I need to explain. Because some people look at this and they say, great, I don't need to be taught by anyone. They reject human teachers. They won't read any books that anybody has written. They don't want to be in a church. You can't tell them anything because they have no need, they say, for anyone to teach you. Contrary to what some people think, John is not saying that. John isn't saying that Christians no longer need any human teachers Since they already have the Holy Spirit, that's all they need. You know how I know that? Because John's teaching them this. John is teaching. John is the teacher. You need a man to teach you that you don't need a man? I mean, that's silly. This can't be what John is saying. John is the human who's teaching them. He's not going to say, you don't need anybody. Because then he's saying, you don't need me. You don't need the apostles. You don't need anybody. No, John is not saying. They certainly wouldn't be saying that they didn't need him to teach them since that's exactly why he wrote this letter. Otherwise, you'd just say, have fun in life. The Holy Spirit will take care of everything. No. Besides, the New Testament speaks of of human teachers that God has given to the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Paul most emphatically writes in 4. 11, and then 12, he gave some, speaking of Christ, as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Paul says God has given to his church men who are to equip you by teaching you the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that he's appointed teachers in the church. The New Testament scriptures are the inspired writings of Human teachers. God's word, human teachers, through human teachers. Now, what John is, is saying in context, listen closely, is that in light of the fact that we have the continual presence of the Holy Spirit who teaches us and enables us to understand the word of God, we have no need for some false religious cultic teacher to teach us anything new. That's what he's saying. In other words, in the all-sufficient Word of God, with the Holy Spirit as your divine teacher, you have everything you need. So you don't need any of the Gnostic teachers coming along and telling you that you do need some new and enlightened information. That's what John is saying. So based on this truth, here's the basic guideline that That would be helpful for all of us to follow. If you hear something that is new and it's not found in the word of God, then it is not of God. It is not of God. And the person telling you this is a deceiver and is trying to seduce you to believe a lie. As Steve Lawson says, if it's new, it's not true. You can remember that that rhymes. If it's new, it's not true. If somebody says... That, you know, I've just seen this. Nobody has seen it in 2,000 years, but I've just seen this truth. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Nobody's finding anything that somebody else hasn't found from the Word of God in 2,000 years. Just continue in the truth of the Scripture, and the truth that you first heard when you were saved. Be teachable. Be submissive as the Spirit of God continues to give you an understanding of the Bible as He teaches you Through competent, sound pastors and Bible teachers. Now, how does the Holy Spirit protect us then from going after false teaching? How does he do this? Well, sometimes it is through competent teachers. And as they teach the Word of God, you just know this is the truth. You see it in context. They tell you this is what the words mean. You know it's what the words mean. You can look it up on your own. But the following story that I read recently also illustrates how the Lord often teaches and protects us from error. Here's a story, and I'm just reading it. Years ago, Dr. Harry Ironside, and I will add, for many years he was pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago. He's written... Many books, he's in heaven now, but years ago, Dr. Ironside related that one day, while on the streets of Los Angeles, he came across a street preacher vigorously preaching to a considerable audience around him. As he listened, he soon recognized that the speaker was expounding the heretical views of a well-known cult. As he surveyed the audience, he noticed a man on the other side of the crowd attentively following the preaching. Occasionally, the trace of a smile appeared on his face. Dr. Ironside felt sorry for the man being misled by the cult preacher. When the preacher was finished, Dr. Ironside made his way to the man he had watched and striking up a conversation, asked him, and what did you think of what the preacher said? His reply was, well, he sure did tell us, didn't he? Yes, he surely did, Dr. Ironside agreed. But what do you think of what he preached? With a smile, the man looked at him and replied, I sure couldn't answer him, but all the while he was preaching, there was something inside me saying, It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. Folks, that's how the Holy Spirit often does it. He affirms in you as he protects you from error, it is a lie. Let's pray. This is the test of truth. So do you pass? Do you pass? Do you know the truth about Christ, who he is, what he did on the cross? Do you believe it enough to publicly profess it, that you're a Christian? Do you continue in it? The same message you heard, when you say you were saved, you continue to embrace that. You don't add to it. You don't take away from it. You may go deeper in your understanding of it, but you continue in it. And do you understand it? In your heart, you know it's truth. When you hear error, you know it's a lie. That's the Holy Spirit. If, you, if that's true of you, then it proves you are a genuine Christian. But if not, then you still need salvation. Make sure you're not someone who has an empty profession of faith. If these things are not true in your life, repent of your sin. Turn to the Savior And be saved by trusting Him. Father, thank you for allowing us the great privilege to study your word. And I know there's a lot, Lord, in this passage, but I thank you that we do have the Holy Spirit who explains things to us, helps us to see things, helps us to understand, protects us from error. Lord, I pray that you will protect this flock from those who would try to lead us astray. From the precious gospel message. I pray like this man who we just read about. When we hear error, we may not even know chapter and verse how to refute it, but we know it's a lie. Help us, Father, to demonstrate our love for the truth, all these things being valid in our lives. And for those, Lord, who may, may hear this and it and just not register with them, they're just clueless as to the truth, open their hearts. Not only that they might see that they're not Christians, but draw them to yourself that they might become Christians. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.
2: A lot of church attenders are like a ship being tossed about by the wind. They follow a teaching or a teacher for a while. Then they hear something they like better and go after that for a while. It seems like they can't tell the truth from a lie. They have no spiritual discernment. This is something we need to beware of. Verse by Verse Radio is a listener supported ministry. We need your help, your prayers, and your financial support. Call us, email us, or write us if you want to be a partner. All of the necessary information is found on our website, verse by verse radio, all one word, .org. That's all the time we have for today. I'm Jerry Pruden asking you to join us again next time on Verse by Verse.